Thank you, Greg. Well, it is uh, great to be here again sharing the message. I wish we were in person, but uh, that will come soon enough. I want to encourage you. You know, there's some great announcements that have come from our government in the last little bit about vaccinations. I've got mine booked for this week. Lee's getting hers the following week. There, if you're living in Peel region, anyone over 18 will be able to start being able to book their vaccine. If you're in one of the, the hotspot postal codes, which is most of Peel region, you'll be able to book that as of Monday, May 3rd. And, you know, the way that we're going to get back together, the way we're going to be able to meet together again is by us going and getting vaccinated. And so I just want to encourage you to really do that. I, you know, it's, it's just so important. We, we, the society we have today, uh, there's a lot of sicknesses and diseases that over the last century have been wiped out because of vaccinations. And so I know there's, there's lots of conspiracy theory. There's lots of different things. And there's some things that are scary about it, you know. And so maybe there's a particular vaccination you're not so comfortable getting. So book one, you know, don't book that one, book a different one. But let's, you know, be, and I know that there's an element of, of fear that can come into this and there's lots of conspiracy theories out there but let's trust god as we go through this process right the only way we're getting back together is is that and there's uh yeah there's just is we see we've got this privilege here frankly in canada where we're able to quickly get vaccinated now, there's so many countries, there's billions of people around the world that are not going to be able to get access to vaccines as quickly as we are going to. One of those countries that's in, in a real desperate situation right now is India. And they're starting to roll out vaccinations, but they have 1.2 billion people to vaccinate. Um, and, and we know we've got many people in our community that have friends, that have family that are in India. And let's just take a moment to really pray for that country. There's literally, you know, the reported cases right now are over 400,000 a day. They estimate that the unreported cases brings that up to like somewhere between three and four million cases a day. The, the, the literally entire families are getting wiped out. Just in talking to some of the people from, from at Lifehouse from India, they just, you know, day after day hearing reports of, of people that are dying, friends and family dying, people they know. Um, and it's, it's just an it's a incredibly tragic situation there. And so Lord, right now we pray for India. We pray for family, we pray for friends, we pray for people that we don't know, and, and Lord, we know that you want to move in that nation, you want to move amongst those people. So Lord, we pray for protection over the friends and family of the people at Lifehouse, God. Uh, we, we pray for protection over their family members in this time, that just you're, you would be watching over each and every one. We partner with you because it's your desire, Lord, that, that people would be saved from this virus, that they would be healed, that they would come through. And we can partner with you with that, knowing your character, knowing your love. And Lord, we pray for that country. We pray for their leaders. We pray for quickly being able to vaccinate people. We pray for the poor that seem to have no hope there, that are those that are living in the streets, those that are living in such crowded conditions that, are, that don't have access to hospitals, that don't have access to any medical care, God. And Lord, it's really, it's, it, seems, it seems hopeless at times to think, how do we pray for this? But Lord, we know your heart and we know your character and we know that when we partner with you and we ask God, that what, you know, whatever we ask in accordance with your will, it will be done. 
And so we ask for healing. We ask for a miracle for that nation. We ask, Lord, for your protection over people. We ask that many would come to know Jesus that don't know Jesus. We pray for your, the Christians there that they, Lord, would just be strengthened in this time and protected in this time, that your name would be glorified through all of this. We pray for the leaders of that nation, Lord. We pray that they would just be able to roll things out. We pray against, you know, just any fighting between different government parties or our different parts of the government and that, Lord, they'd just be able to quickly roll this out. We pray for quick access, Lord, for uh, vaccines for people. And Lord, we know that India is just one nation among many. And we have people from all around. Lord, I know in talking to different people, we've had people dying in South America, people dying in, in, in Africa and, and many different places. And, and Lord, I just pray for every, everyone at Lifehouse who has family, friends, colleagues, people that they know that are being affected by this. We pray for comfort for those that are losing people. We pray, Lord, protection over or for our friends and families, wherever they are in the world. Yeah, amen. Lord, you're amazing. You really are. And Lord, you are our hope. And we can, as, as his children, as his sons and daughters adopted in his household, we can partner with God in prayer. We can know the character of God and know that he is the God of all hope and that we can stand in prayer in hopeless situations. And sometimes things do not turn out the way that we would hope them to, the way that we would want them to. That doesn't mean that God is not listening or he's not answering prayers. It means that we've got to trust him. We've got to trust the process. We've got to be willing to surrender more when things don't go the way that we want them to so that we can just keep walking with them and see the big picture of what it is that he's unfolding and what it is that he's doing. He is good. And you know, today, in my message to us today, it's part three of this series that we started a couple of weeks ago. And we started by showing a video teaching by Tim Mackey of the Bible Project, where he just was talking about the, you know, just doing a 30 minute teaching on giving, like, look, this is the overarching story of the Bible. This is the overarching story of Christianity. And it's one of God who created his people and this world in love and created it and declared that it was good. And it's a one where despite that goodness of what he created, we chose, and despite the love that God poured out on us, that mankind chose to go their own way and say, you know, we don't need God. We, we, want, we want to be like God. And that even despite our, our rebellion, even despite our poor choices, that God still had a plan. He still had a way to be able to break into this world to be able to pay for the consequences of evil and sin that we poured out into the world and we invited into the world by our rebellion against God. And that he, because he knows that we are good, because he knows that what he created was good, that he had a plan to redeem us through Jesus, and that God in all his infinite wisdom came and became like us, born as a man, you know, came into, broke into this broken world, broke into this world that he had created and that we had corrupted and came in and he took on, you know, he took on himself the consequences of our, our sin, our rebellion, took on the consequences of evil in this world so that we could be once again reunited with him. 
It told the story, and the Bible tells the story of this new heaven and earth that God one day will be creating, that Jesus will return again, and at that time there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And you know, there also will be at that time a time of separation because God so loves his creation that when this new heaven and new earth is created, there won't be room in it for the rebellion. There won't be room in it for evil, for those that, that are, say, I don't want to follow God. You know, there will be a final separation of those that have chosen to follow Jesus and those that have said, I don't, I don't want you, Jesus. God, I don't want you. I want to live my own way. And he does that once again in love. You know, in love for our free will, our free choice, saying, look, I, I don't, I'm not going to force you to be with me for all eternity. I'm not going to force you, if you don't want to, be with me to be there. You know, and, and in that, last week we were addressing some questions because some of the ways that Tim presented that, just in terms of talking about the reality of, in his words, hell, you know, on earth. And the, the truth is, as I was trying to explain to us last week, is hell, we, there really is this awful evil on earth. You know, Satan and the demons, they're not in hell. They're right here with us. They're right here on this, in this world. You know, and they're are wreaking havoc in many people's lives. They're responsible for all that is, that is evil. They're responsible for all that is, is not good. You know, all that brings division and war and poverty and sickness and disease, that wasn't the plan of God. That's the result of, of this, this awful world, the destruction of this world, the greed. You know, the, that's all the result of these evil forces that are there, the pain and the anguish that comes when, when we don't love one another the way that we are intended to. All of that is the result of the work of evil in this world, the result of, of, of what we call Satan and demons. And it's really here. And we have the choice of what kingdom we get to be a part of. But the one thing that we know that we can stand on for sure, because we see it here in Scripture from beginning to end, is that God loves us. And that God's kingdom is a kingdom of love. When Jesus came into this world and announced that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is here, when he was declaring himself as the Messiah, as he was introducing the reality of that kingdom, what did he introduce? He introduced love. He brought, redefined the law for us in the Sermon on the Mount and saying, hey, reality is it's actually about the heart. It's not about obeying a bunch of rules. It's about your being heart being transformed. So much so that, that if even you're angry at your brother and sister and you speak badly about them, that you're actually in danger of allowing those evil forces right back into your heart. Now, those are the things, the way we speak to one another, the way we treat one another, the way we are with one another, that either we are either being influenced by the kingdom of heaven or we're being influenced by the forces of evil that seek to simply separate, divide, and destroy. It's every choice we make is a choice for the kingdom of God or this other kingdom. There's no neutral ground. But God's kingdom, this kingdom that's breaking in, is a, God, a kingdom of love. It's a kingdom that embraces us, that takes us as we are. It's not, Jesus didn't come to make us superhumans. He came recognizing our humanity as a human. He came to recognize, you know, in our fallen, broken nature, to do what we couldn't do, to restore something that we were incapable of restoring ourselves. And even in our brokenness, he loves us. 
You know, what he did once and for all, eliminating, you know, the consequences of sin and death for us as his followers, as his disciples. He recognized, God himself recognized, you, you are fallible and broken. And I accept you anyway. I love you. So as you're listening to me this morning, you can know that you are loved by God. You know, if you are listening to me this morning and you have not given your life to Jesus, you don't know, even know what that means. You don't know what it is to invite him into your heart and you don't know what it is to truly be able to trust him. Then I say to you today, God loves you. And he wants you to be able to know this love. He wants you to be able to know this trust. You don't have to clean yourself up, get your life together before you can come to God. He accepts you right as you are. And on that journey, that journey, when we begin to understand his love for us, it transforms us. We don't become superhuman and suddenly like, when we give our life to Jesus, everything in our life perfectly changes. What we do is we become tapped into that incredible love from God once again. And we start to have our minds transformed. Transformed about who God really is, about his love for us, his acceptance for us. And when we become convinced of God's love for us, it becomes really easy to love others. When we understand how much he's forgiven us, it becomes easy to forgive others. When we understand just that God really isn't judging us as his children, it becomes so much easier for us not to judge others. When we grasp how powerful he is, we're no longer afraid of that evil kingdom. We see it for what it is, but we recognize that God is so much more powerful and what he's doing in our lives is so much greater than what that kingdom can do to us. And that's the story. That's the simple story of the Bible. It's a simple thing. But the thing that's most important that we grasp of this, and it says, you know, over and over and over again, is that the most important thing for us as followers of Jesus is that we would understand God's love for us and that we would love with that same love. This kingdom of God, this kingdom that he created was a kingdom of love. I'm not talking about emotional love, romantic love, though those are a part of it. It's that sacrificial love that God would lay his own life down for us. That love that says, you're good despite your, your weaknesses, despite your faults, despite your behavior. A love that perseveres, a love that, that embraces, a love that is, it brings acceptance, a love that says you're good enough. And that's what God says for you. That's what God's done for you. And that is the love we're meant to reflect, to be the light to the world. That people would know us, it says in scripture, that people would know us because of our love for one another. People would know us by our good deeds towards others. And those are good deeds we do out of love. Good deeds without love are actually fairly useless. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 in describing love says that. It's like, hey, you know, if you, you're going to sacrifice your own life, but you do it without love, it's, it's, it's worthless. You know, you can think you've got this amazing prophetic gift, but if it's delivered without love, it's just a clanging gong and crashing cymbals in the ear of people. Without love, the kingdom doesn't, we, we, we can't be demonstrating and truly living the life of the kingdom without this love. And this love, it's founded in trust. 
You know, this love is founded in trust, our trust of God, our trust in what Jesus has done for us, that it was enough, that it really, it really was powerful enough to save us, it, that God's love is powerful in our lives. It's when we become convinced of that, then everything else, you know, becomes so easy. When we become convinced of his acceptance, everything else becomes simple for us. I've said to friends recently, one of the things that struck me as we've been over the pandemic, as we've had this time to pause and really invite God in, is that if you look at social media, you look at, at media, the way we are, at least in the West, to find Christianity, if I, if I was someone that wasn't a Christian and I just looked at, at social media or media or the things we put out there, I would say the goal of Christianity is to be a public speaker with a microphone on a stage or someone leading people in worship, in music. And those are wonderful, the gift of speaking, a wonderful gift, the gift of teaching, a wonderful gift, exhorting, a wonderful gift, the gift of, of, of music and leading in worship, incredible gifts that have been given by God. But that's not what Christianity is all about. Christianity isn't about a bunch of people sitting in, in a building listening to a preach. Even what we're doing today, you know, us watching a video, that is, that is a small piece of what it is to be a Christian. Hopefully what today does is, is simply motivates you to live your life even more for God this week. But what does that even mean? If I say live your life even more for God, may you live that li- your week more trusting that he cares about every aspect of your life. He cares about your family. He cares about the things that are broken. He knows your faults and failures. He accepts you anyway. And he's so committed to you learning to trust him and to know his love. You know, that, that he wants to, he wants you to know that he loves you. And when you know that he loves you man, you won't be anything else you can do, but share that love with others because you'll be so full of it. And us, how we live every day, that's Christianity. That trust we have. It's not about prayer meetings. I'm not saying prayer meetings are bad. It's just not the focus. The focus of Christianity isn't prayer meetings. It's not acts of service. It's not, it's not you know, listening to a preach. It's not attending a service. It's not music. It's love. It's the love relationship between God and his creation it's us, our ability to love one another. I said when we started this series that, you know, so much has changed for me over this pandemic. And that as we gather, start being able to gather together again, that I I trust things will be different. And I trust that we're going to gather around love. You know, that our teaching that we do when, as we're doing it will simply point us to the ability to love one another better, point us to a true understanding of this, that we'll get rid of some of our Christian mythology that we have, that maybe, you know, exalts some things above others, you know, that puts things that are not important as important. And we just get back to this thing of loving one another. That we'll put aside our, our, our favorite doctrines. You know, and, and go, actually, what the thing that's most important is my relationships with people. 
that we'll learn to love each other the way Christ has loved us. You see, healing, prophecy, all these things, these, these, I love it in, in the book of Corinthians because where it talks about the absolute importance of love and goes and says at the, at the end of uh, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, it says, you know, these three, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And then it goes on in chapter 14 and starts talking about, it's like, hey, now let's walk in the way of love. And it starts talking about spiritual gifts and things like prophecy and stuff along those lines. And they are good. They're, they're gifts that God's given us. They're just not the focus. You know, healing is not the focus. Prophecy is not the focus. You know, preaching is not the focus. Love is the focus. The love that God has for us, the love that he poured out to us through Jesus, that's the focus. And you know, it's the thing the enemy attacks the most because it's what makes us most powerful. When we truly can trust God and really allow his love to move through us, man, then we become truly unstoppable. Because you look at what that early church, you know, that we read about in Acts, they could lay their life down simply because they knew that God loved them. They totally trusted him. The kingdom of darkness had no power of them anymore because they understood the love of God over their lives. And so the enemy attacks it. The forces of evil come at that love because they don't understand love. You know, they, they, and you know, the wonderful thing is the Bible's not about the forces of evil. It's not, it's not really focused on that. That's why I was trying to communicate last week. And if anything was confusing to people, yeah, there, there really is. We, we have this word hell. We apply to it. We don't really know a whole lot about what is there for those that choose to reject God. We don't know a whole lot about it except that it's not a great place. It seems to resemble the same hellish conditions that exist on this earth, the torment that people go through here on the earth. It might be worse. I don't know. But the focus of the Bible isn't this place we call hell. Interestingly enough, the focus of the Bible isn't even heaven. It's right here, right now on earth. It's right here, right now. It's how we live now. Now, it's how we live in our relationships now. So if you're, if you're like, oh, you know, my life will be better when I get to heaven. Well, it will be. You know, when we're with Jesus like that, it'll be amazing. But Jesus came to the earth and, and died so that you could begin to experience that heaven on earth right here, right now. And, and the most important thing for each and every one of us, and that the Bible makes incredibly clear, and Jesus made very clear in his teachings, is that it's not about others. It's about us. So part of this thing of accepting God's love and his trust for us is not us being able to go, well, this person didn't do this and that person didn't do that and my life would be better if this person changed or that person changed or things along those lines. It's now it's about, it's about me. It's about me and my acceptance of God's love for me and out of that that I change and thus I change towards others. And as my behavior towards others change, it's quite likely their behavior towards me will change. That's love. You know? And the amazing thing that Jesus taught us is like, even if people treat you badly, love them anyway. Don't get caught up in how they treat you. Don't get caught up in, in, in those things. And don't just love those that love you back. But, but love everyone. And he continually, over and over, demonstrated to his disciples, and we have recorded and taught to us through the Gospels, 
that the people that were by the the people that the religious leaders considered, you know, rejected and unworthy and unlovable were the ones that Jesus consistently went to and loved. Consistently. He also spent lots of time loving the people that were easy for him to love, those disciples around him, the people he loved. It wasn't that he only did one. It's that he could embrace all. And that's the model for each and every one of us. Is that as a community, as church isn't a building we go to, it's not an assembly, it's a group of people. And as God's big church, as all those that follow Jesus in our, and in our communities together, may we demonstrate love. May we be incredibly caring and safe towards each other. May we speak truth in love. Even things that might be painful at first for someone to hear only with the intent of restoring relationship between them and God and them and one another, each other. May love govern everything that we do because it's what we've been commanded, that we would love God with all our heart, mind, and spirit, which means trusting him, trusting that we would do things his way, that we would love our neighbor as ourselves, which means we need to love ourselves and then love our neighbor. You are amazing people loved by God. And you, as you tap into God's love, there is more than enough. We live in a kingdom of abundance. There is actually more than enough resources. There is more than enough love. You being loved by God and blessed by God doesn't mean that someone else is, you know, now there's less for someone else. The God that created this universe has more than enough resources. He will never run out of love for you. He's never going to run out of love so that you can freely give this gift of love to those around you. He's never going to run out of resources. You can freely share your resources with those around you. And when we come to truly trust God in this way, then there really won't be lack. (laughs) Will the kingdom of darkness always be coming with its greed and its desire to control and its desire to, to, to harm? Yeah, it'll be there. And Jesus told us in this world we will have trouble. But take heart, we're not of this world. So while we're in this kingdom here on earth, we can trust the resources of heaven. We can trust the resources of God to be there for us. And if you're not experiencing that at this moment in time in your life, you're not experiencing that abundant understanding of God's love, then I just encourage you to draw close to him, to read the pages of scripture through that filter of love, the way that it's meant to be read Rent to be read to explain to you that you don't need to fight with one another. You don't need to hoard. You don't need to hold back. But your Father in heaven knows everything that you need. And you can trust him completely. You can trust him. You will never waste love. You can give it freely without fear that in doing so, somehow you're wasting a resource that you don't have enough of. There will always be more than enough love. So, be encouraged. Be in faith. Look for opportunities to share God's love just simply in actions and by caring. Because words without love 
even words of Scripture, they, 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 don't, they don't have the effect that we want. Thank you. I love you. I miss you. I can't wait till we're back together again. And uh, I'm excited. Excited that soon. I don't know when. I can't predict it. But let's, let's love one another in our communities by going and getting vaccinated. Let's do our part of staying apart so that we can as quickly as possible be able to be back together again. Have an incredible week and love you very much. But God loves you even more. I'll pass back to Greg. James, thanks for that word and for that encouragement. And uh, just as I was listening, I was just hearing the Holy Spirit talk about how we don't know the effect that one simple act of love can have on another person's life. We don't know how our, our words, a simple text or a phone call or a conversation can, can change someone's eternal destiny, can set them up to walk in their God-given purpose. We don't know. And so I, I want to encourage each one of us to respond to those little prompts of the Holy Spirit, those thoughts, those ideas that come to mind. I, I think about my neighbor who, a couple houses down, back in November, he showed up at my front door. He and I had made one conversation before, but he came because no one came to his house for Halloween, and he thought that he saw kids at my house, and so he came with these bags of candy, and uh in November, he had these, these bags of candy for them, for uh, each one of my kids. And I felt so loved through this man. I felt like I was being ministered to in my house by my next door neighbor. It was the weirdest thing. But since that time, we have been looking for opportunities to love this guy in return. We've had cards that our kids had, had written since November that we've been trying to get to him. Cookies that finally we ate because we weren't able to put them in his hands, and finally we saw him, and just just having a conversation with him, just him going, hey, I love you guys. Man, the, the impact that that had on us was really profound. Uh, so, Gord, if you're watching, we love you too, man. And I just want to encourage you guys to, to look for opportunities this week, even today, to follow the Lord's leading in loving the people around you. Just bless you guys to have an amazing week. May you be rooted and grounded in his love and so full of his love that you couldn't help but give it away. God bless you.